you are listening to episode 32 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a tutorial on how to build a training plan. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I am your host, Nicholas. This episode features an in-depth tutorial on how you can build your own training plan. I'll be talking about the six steps to designing your own training plan so that you can have your most successful season yet. The goal of this episode is to provide athletes and coaches with practical insights on how they can build their own training plan or in terms of a coach, how to build a training plan for their athletes so that they can run their best season yet and hopefully race a new PR. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, this show features guest interviews, training analysis and tips, gear views, and more. With tips for beginning, intermediate, and advanced runners alike, listeners will be provided with insightful information that will help them get faster, stay injury-free, and be happy. The last two episodes of the Sunday Shakeout were all about self-assessment for distance runners. This, in essence, is the first step of the process for creating and designing your own training plan. I led you through some crucial questions that you should always ask yourself so that you will have practical information that you can use to plan future training. In this episode, we are going to build off that and get into the meat and potatoes for how to design a training plan itself. It is crucial that before designing any training plan, you use the self-assessment process that I prescribe in episodes 30 and 31 of the Sunday Shakeout. But once you have, you can start using the six-step process that I have to design your own training plan so that you can be on your way to your best season yet. So, without further ado, please enjoy my guide on how to build a training plan. I realized that a lot of runners are gearing up for training and building up for a fall marathon. Maybe it's a cross country season or any race really, but over the summer, for most people, it's a time when you're gonna start creating your own training plan, start maybe getting a coach. And today, hopefully maybe I can save you a little bit of money. I'm not gonna give you a whole bunch of training plans, but I'm gonna at least give you a few steps that you can take that way six exactly, six steps that you can take to design your own training plan so that at least you have some background information on what you need to be doing in your training. Well, I've been making podcast episodes all about the types of training that you need to be doing, but today we're going to be talking about like how to weave that all together and how to create a successful training plan. And designing your own training plan can be intimidating if you've never done it before. However, with a good amount of modest effort, you can create your own customized running plan that will give you better race results than any ready-made, one-size-fits-all training plan that you might choose to use. Because online, they say, oh, I'm going to prescribe this workout, this workout, this workout. They give you all the months, all the weeks, and it might just be a one-size-fits-all. You really don't know how it works, and you don't know if it works well for you. So today, hopefully, I can help you guide you through that process so that you can create a training plan that works for you, not for just some other general public runner. Uh, And keep in mind that while it is important to plan out a season and have workouts and mileage numbers scheduled, what is even more important is the process of choosing the most appropriate workout day-to-day based on your body's response to completed training. 
So even if the training plan isn't perfect, which no training plan is, don't be afraid to continually modify and improve on it on the fly. In fact, I encourage you to be adaptive, adaptive and flexible in your training. That is the only way you're going to be able to schedule workouts and mileage numbers that your body is ready for and will respond best to. So designing your own fully customized training plan has six main steps. Step one is you need to choose your peak race and your goal for that race. Step two is you need to pick a start date for the training plan and plan the duration for that plan. Step three is that you need to periodize your training. Step four is that you need to just schedule the training itself with uh, appropriate running volume, training intensity distribution, weekly workout schedule, schedule and uh, workout progressions. And then step five is you need to plan recovery weeks and tune-up races. And then finally, step six is to add in the extras. And you might think extras are unimportant or just something that is optional, but believe me, extras are not optional. And we'll get into what that means. It's not that complicated, but we'll get into what that means in a bit. I'm sure I've talked about it before in this podcast. And if you are, if you've been a longtime member of this podcast, even though it's only been on for six months, you'll know what I mean by saying what I do around the training makes me good, not necessarily the running itself. So now that I have that out of the way, let's discuss each of these six steps in detail. Step one is to choose the peak race and the goal for that race. When it comes to designing a training plan, 99% of the time you want to choose just one peak race to prioritize. There's sometimes where you can choose two peak races, but I find that that's for more advanced runners and it's very risky. So if you really want to maximize what you're doing, I say put your eggs all in one basket. Uh, and that will really give you the best results, or the at least the most likely um, chance that you'll get good results. The whole purpose of designing a training plan is to create a sensible map of workouts leading from your current fitness level to the level of fitness that will let you run your peak race at your goal pace. And so choosing your peak race can be done with almost total freedom as long as you exercise some level of common sense. For example, if you have a goal marathon in mind, let's say the Berlin Marathon, I think it's 13 weeks away, and let's say right now your long run is only 8 miles, well, you probably won't have enough time to train for the Berlin Marathon, so exercise some common sense. But remember, the purpose of choosing a peak race is to get yourself excited and to generate the motivation and focus that you will need to take your fitness to higher places. Only you can choose a peak race that gets you excited, so don't just be like, oh my gosh, I need to do this marathon because it's happening and it's really nice weather, I've heard, and all that stuff, and it's only once a year. No, exercise some exercise common sense. If, 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 if you find that you're excited about that race, cool, but if you're not, then don't be afraid to choose something different. And obviously, you will most likely want to achieve a time goal, or you'll want to set a time goal for your next peak race. I say set a time goal that's ambitious. Be a dreamer and don't be afraid to fail because you actually might surprise yourself and you might achieve a performance breakthrough. Now, I'm not going to give you a spiel or a speech on goals, but just know that it matters very little if you don't achieve your time goal unless you're a pro runner who's, you know, under a contract. Because if you didn't achieve your goal, there's always a next time and chances are you raced your guts out to try to achieve the goal, so you likely raced to your potential on that day, and you will get better. And don't be afraid, as the training process unfolds, you will be able to refine this goal to your needs, and you can do this via tune-up races, which we will talk about later, 
as well as other things in the training process. Step two in this six step process is to plan out when you're gonna start the training process and for how long. The peak race that you are choosing must be far enough in the future to afford you enough time for train op to train optimally for that race. However, it should not be so far in the future, otherwise your chance of injury goes up due to the fact that your body can only train and absorb training stimuli for around 24 weeks before it needs a recovery period off from running, which is only usually a week. And also you'll end up peaking too early. Not only physiologically, but psychologically, if your peak race is too far in the future, you won't feel as motivated and you won't have that sense of urgency. You may, however, plan your peak race that is months and even a year to a year and a half in the future and simply tackle more intermediate goals while building for that big race. For example, Steven Scullion, who is a Tuana and marathoner and Irish Olympian from Tokyo, has a YouTube channel documenting his journey for the Paris Olympics in 2024, and right now, it's 2023 and he started that in like late 2022. By the way, he also has great training lectures on his channel. But Scully has been tackling intermediate goals like 10k race fitness while continuing to build his aerobic strength that is going to best suit him for the marathon and he's been doing this with aerobic and anaerobic threshold work, easy runs, and he's been gradually progressing with more intermediate goals. And now he's slowly building and he's signed up for the 2023 Berlin Marathon hoping to run 208.10 even though his ultimate goal is the Paris Olympics in the summer of 2024. And so, back off my tangent here, when planning the duration of your training cycle, the longer your peak race is, the more preparation time you will need compared to shorter races. Moreover, the higher your current fitness level is, the less time you will need to train for the race. If your fitness level is decently high, then you will probably need only about 12 to 16 weeks to train for your goal race. However, if your fitness is relatively low, then you will probably need about 16 to 20 weeks to prepare for your goal race. So keep in mind, if you can keep a relatively decent level of base fitness year-round, then you won't have to continually like have long training cycles because you didn't take three months off from running after your peak race. You'll be able to train for a lot more races because the training cycles are shorter because you need less time to prepare. You'll be taking less time to catch up and more time to actually train and build fitness, which will really help in the long run. But overall, aside from all this you know, talk about how long your training cycle should be. The overall answer to that question is your training cycle should be long enough to develop your fitness from its current fitness level to the desired peak level at a rate that is neither hurried nor excruciatingly slow. So step three in this six step process is to periodize your training. There are three main phases to any training plan. You have the base phase, which is all about developing an initial foundation of aerobic and neuromuscular fitness that enables you to perform more challenging training later on in the cycle without getting injured. Now the base phase is normally four to eight weeks. Then we have the competition phase, which is the middle phase of training. And it's when workouts become more difficult and you are trying to bring together the aerobic fitness and the neuromuscular fitness so that you can effectively build race specific fitness for your goal event. Now the competition phase is normally around four to eight weeks long. And this is kind of where the, all the hard training is. Now the taper phase is the final phase of training and it's where you want to peak. It's reduced mileage and increased intensity and this is normally two to three weeks long. The duration of each training phase should be based on your current fitness level or your starting fitness level, the distance of your peak race and the total duration of your training plan. 
If you start at a high level of base fitness, you might need less overall time in the base phase and a shorter overall training plan. However, if you are starting at a level of peak fitness that, or a base fitness that is relatively low, then you should have a longer base phase of likely six to eight weeks. Step four is to schedule the training itself. Let's start with volume. Your overall running volume is the most important variable that can distinguish training plans for the same goal race. Someone might be better suited running 20 miles per week training for the 5k, while someone else might be better suited running 80 miles per week training for the 5k. It all depends. If the 20 mile per week person were going to run 80 miles per week training for the 5k, well, they'd probably get overtraining syndrome and they'd get injured. Likewise, if the person at 80, training 80 miles per week were trained 20 miles per week for the 5k, well, they'd probably be undertrained by a lot and on race day they would not be ready. They'd probably actually get detrained. So it all depends. And to choose a appropriate running <laughs> weekly running volume for your training, consider your past running volume, how many times per week you're planning to run, your injury history, and the approximate distance of your longest long run. At the bare minimum, if you even want to think about being competitive, even for beginners, you must run four times per week or more. You are not going to be served well physiologically if you simply run every other day, unless you, you know, you're a master's runner and you can't handle that sort of thing. And if you do run less than six times per week, then I highly suggest that you do some sort of aerobic cross training so that you are at least getting an aerobic stimulus six days a week. If you are new to running, this is a whole different phenomenon, and in that situation, again, cross-training is greatly going to benefit you until you can hopefully build up to a running volume that is uh, done six days a week. If you want to be good at something, you must put the time in. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, 70 miles per week is the maximum amount of weekly running volume that you should do in singles, meaning only running once per day. Once you get up into the 60s, 70s, and 80s, doing doubles, meaning running twice per day, is going to be key because this will allow you to recover instead of jam-packing all of your running volume into one run per day. Because after all, averaging 10 miles per run does seem kind of stressful on the body, and it is. This is why the Ingebrigtsens do double threshold, so that they can pack more volume in of threshold into their day and into their training week without sacrificing recovery. Instead of doing 15k of threshold in one go, they spread 20 kilometers of threshold training across two sessions, one in the morning and one in the evening of 10 kilometers each. Now I'm not saying that doing threshold is necessarily a good thing, or double threshold, for the average person running 70 miles per week, but I am saying that doing doubles is going to be crucial when you get that high up in volume. Now I am aware that life has other priorities besides running for everyone but about the pros, that's about it. Therefore, for more experienced runners, running volume is more limited by a lack of willingness rather than by a lack of ability to do more. However, I am aware that the more you run within your personal limits, the better you will get at running. But if you are like most people on earth, then you should just do your best and forget the rest when it comes to how much you can pile on. There is so much that we humans can handle, and when something has to give due to, you know, relationship stress, job stress, training stress, it's usually our running. Now, I recommend increasing your peak weekly running volume by no more than 50% from one training cycle to the next, and I think that 5 to 10 miles is a good number to aim for. This will, a this will help with a whole bunch of stuff like 
for example, I'd say like long-term progression. It won't rush your progression and you won't peak too early. Instead of running 80 miles per week in your fourth year of your running career, maybe you're only running like 50 and then you could gradually work up. It'll be so much better. You won't burn out earlier and it'll be, <laughs> it's a lot more fun. I'm going to tell you because I ran like 50, 55 miles per week um, or at least I hit like in the 50s like last summer sum summer 2022 and it was a really bad idea i got like injured pretty fast and i'm never gonna like well i'm gonna go back to that someday but i'm not gonna like ever just progress up that fast that was really not smart uh however that being said you can scale your training volume up or back based on how your body responds to the workouts that you plan and after creating your plan or completing your plan, you can go back and assess how you fared with the amount of running that you did so that you can make your next training cycle even better. Now, the second thing we have to consider when we're scheduling our training is, you know, our training intensity distribution. Now, as far as training intensity distribution goes, or our TID, I'm not going to be super nitpicky on you about hitting the 80-20 split exactly or that you follow polarized training or pyramidal training exactly, especially because all this stuff on the Ingebrigtsen training is getting pretty popular and it's proven that, you know, Ingebrigtsen, the way they train is pretty effective, especially for more advanced runners. All I'm going to say is that the more inexperienced you are, the more easy mileage you should the more easy miles you should run or at least relative to your total weekly running volume so i think beginners and more intermediate runners should focus on hitting about 80 to 90 percent of their uh, e uh, weekly miles at an easy pace because this is the most foundational way of building aerobic fitness and that will keep bring the injury risk down compared to doing a lot of high intensity work or even moderate intensity work and as you become more experienced you should still have at least 70 percent of your miles be easy and I'd say 60%, I'd give a pass for 60% if you know something else works for you, like the Ingebrigtsen's, and you can therefore add some inten more intensity into your training. But when in doubt, if you're com contemplating between doing a workout or not, you should probably tone it down a bit or replace it with an easy run. Speaking of workouts, let's discuss weekly workout schedule. I recommend that for most runners, they have at least one workout that is at least semi-challenging every single week. Once you get later in the season though, I like to include two workouts per week. The workouts that you do totally depends on the race you are training for because remember, race specificity is key. If you are training for a marathon, then you want to start with aerobic workouts and keep doing them into your marathon buildup, but make them more specific. If you're training for a 5k however, you might want to start with some aerobic workouts, but then add some quicker, more race specific stuff later in the training cycle while still doing some aerobic workouts every 1-2 to two weeks. Now, with the rise of the Norwegian model, many are talking about using tune-up races as training for the shorter events like the 1500 and the 5k rather than doing race-specific workouts. So instead of doing those race-specific workouts, you instead do threshold. Now, personally, I don't think this is a bad argument, and this type of training, this model of training, will certainly keep you injury-free and will build your aerobic engine. After all, the more high-intensity stuff you do, the more stressful it is on the body. So if you can tone down the intensity, you'll stay injury-free. And this also works in the aerobic engine, but I still like to see some race-paced stuff because it will keep you sharp. But if you have a long season, then I would perhaps prescribe that sort of method early in the season and then get more race-specific as your championship race or your goal race comes around. 
Now, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but yeah, I would just recommend about two workouts per week and a long run on the weekend. Just allow for enough recovery between workouts and don't pile on three hard days on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. <laughs> That's just a recipe for disaster. Instead, you should spread the hard workouts th throughout the week. For example, you might have your long run on Sunday, your first workout on Tuesday, and your third workout on Thursday or Friday. That would be a great schedule, and it will keep you injury-free as long as you keep the intensity right and you, and you adjust as necessary. So let's talk about workout progression. Now I'm going to keep this very simple because we'll probably give a whole thing on progression later. But as far as progression goes for workouts, we want to be generally moving towards race specificity as the training cycle goes on. The volume and intensity of your workouts should gradually build up to your biggest key race specific workout. Now this really depends on the race you're training for, but generally we want to start on the opposite ends of the spectrum and move inward from there. We want to start with slow, longer workouts and short and fast workouts and then move in for, inward from there. For example, if we're training for a 10k, maybe at the start of the season we start with a whole bunch of easy half marathon to marathon paced runs, maybe aerobic threshold, anaerobic threshold, um, and it's it's pretty it's pretty on the easy end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we could have some faster workouts at 5k pace, mile pace, 3k pace. And then as the training cycle unfolds, we can move it towards race specificity. We can change those half marathon or marathon paced runs into more tempo paced runs, you know, anaerobic threshold. And then we can move those um, those 5k uh, race specific workouts we can move those maybe to 10k race specific workouts but they're lower volume and then we can build the volume from there it all really comes down to progressing intelligently and moving towards race specificity so step five of this six step process is planning recovery weeks and tune-up races after you've planned the bulk of your training cycle it's time to start thinking about the little things that are going to maximize your performance the two main elements that you'll want to include are recovery weeks and tune-up races a recovery week is a week of training in which the workload is moderately reduced from the levels of the preceding weeks of training. The overall structure of the weekly training is essentially the same, but the workouts are shortened to achieve a 20-30% to 30 reduction in mileage, and this includes cutting down the long run a bit. Recovery weeks give the body an opportunity to fully adapt to recent training and to prepare for more challenging levels of training in subsequent weeks. Runners who are really pushing the limit with their training need a recovery week about every third week. And this also applies for masters runners or runners who are especially injury prone. Runners who maintain a relatively easy workload relative to their personal limits might only need a recovery week every four to six weeks. And if you are a low-key, low-volume runner, then you really don't need a recovery week at all. Instead, you can just take a day off or an easy day here or there every, you know, three or four weeks. But I just want to point out that you should not go the philosophy of, oh, it's a recovery week, I don't have to run. No, we're still training. So don't not run during a recovery week because obviously we're still training. We are just trying to give our body more recovery time and more time to adapt to recent training. This is no time to throttle back or shut the engines off. This is just some time. Well, it is time to throttle back, but it's not time to shut the engines off and be in that vacation mode because we're still trying to achieve peak fitness or at least move towards peak fitness. Now let's talk about tune-up races. Tune-up races are simply practice races, and one of their main benefits is to provide good information about your current fitness level so that you can see if your training needs to be adjusted or if you are on track to achieve your peak racing goals. 
Additionally, tune-up races provide, uh, sorry, stimulate fitness gains exceeding those that you get from any other regular workouts. The shorter your goal race distances that you're training for, the more tune-up races that you can, you, you can do. However, it's important to keep in mind that tune-up races are not goal races. Even though you might give it 100% effort, you can't expect a performance breakthrough every time. Because, you know, there's a variety of reasons. You had no taper before the tune-up race. By the way, that's a tip. Don't taper before a tune-up race. Also, you probably haven't done too many race-specific workouts before a tune-up race. You're probably tired than usual, and this is partly due to the taper, but, but also because you're training through the tune-up race. And you're probably also not in that do-or-die mindset, like, okay, I need to throw it all out here because I got nothing left or trains trains over after this after for like a week no you got more training in front of you so you're not going to try to do or die and get injured in this race so that's something to keep in mind now there's also an option of running some of your tune-up races as workouts for example if you're doing a 10k tune-up for your half marathon you might have the first 5k be at goal half marathon pace and the second 5k be at 10k pace to practice to practice closing uh, the race fast. And I like to include a variety of workouts and races for your tune-up races. Now, I would say that you should only do tune-up races once you've had at least eight weeks of solid training under your belt so that you have a foundation built and the injury risk isn't through the roof. Also, so that you can perform well in the tune-up races themselves. And when you progress into tune-up races, do the shorter tune-up races before the longer runs. For example, if you're training for a marathon with a 20-week plan, you might have a 5k tune-up on week 8, a 10k tune-up on week 12, a half marathon tune-up on week 16, and the goal marathon on week 20. Of course, this is very linear, and you might want to alternate between shorter and longer tune-up races, but as a general rule, progress the distance of up. Now, another tip I want to give is avoid racing too often. Don't do three half marathon tune-ups three weekends in a row training for a marathon because, well, you're sacrificing a lot of recovery time. Your body's gonna, the injury alarm bells are gonna be through the roof and it's just not an effective way of training when you could spread out the tune-up races and you actually have time to analyze them, recover from them, adapt to them, and that way you can have a better plan for next time. Additionally, shorter tune-up races might also take away the long run, so you should only race up about every other weekend at the max, because if you're taking away the long run, then you're taking away the biggest run of the week that is going to provide the most support for your aerobic metabolism, which is, you know, that's through the roof. Like, the long run is very important. So regardless of who you are, I think that every runner should have at least one tune-up race planned into their training cycle, because it is because it is a great way to practice being in that race atmosphere, especially if you are racing the distance that you plan on racing in the tune-up race. It also provides big fitness gains and not to mention the fact that racing is a lot of fun, at least until that last third of the race. Now let's get into that final step of the six step process here and that's to add in the extras. Now what makes me good at running isn't the training because everyone can go out the door and run 7 miles at a prescribed pace, assuming that you are decently trained. What makes me good instead is everything that I do that surrounds the training. The recovery, the sleep, the hydration, the nutrition, the foam rolling, the warm up, the activation routines, the, the strength training. Training won't be as good if you don't do this stuff, and having these recovery and fueling and strength techniques to build up your body, they need to be habitual. If you want to be better, you must understand that it takes hard work. It takes a big work ethic. 
so you need to build the ability to train. Put things in place like strength routines and activation routines. You must build the foundation to train, especially by practicing basic movement skills and fun fun functional strength so that you don't get injured. This will cause you to keep a consistent routine, not get injured, and race faster. So what I like to do at the beginning of every training cycle to add in the extras is I like to map out a spider graph for what you can do to build around your training. And I tape this to my closet door on that spider graph, write out what you want to do and why it would help. Staying healthy is hard work. It's easier to get injured than to just stay healthy. It's easy to throw your shoes on, go out the door with no warm up and get injured. So start being more conscientious of your choices. Good decisions and being disciplined is what's going to keep you healthy. So make a plan out of the spider web. Wake up, then do foam rolling, activation. If you feel undisciplined, get a journal and dig deeper into your psychology. Brainstorm your purpose for why you are doing the training. Also, write down if anything feels sore or if it's working too much. Act on that. Think about how you can activate it before you run. If it's your calves, can you strengthen them? Get new shoes? So have a plan. If you add a run or a gym session, do something to keep you healthy. Whether that's foam rolling, stretching, an extra 500 calories, etc. Also, have a counter strategy for the more part. So be consistent with your warm-up routines, your strength routines, your foam rolling, your self-massage, your sleep, your nutrition, and all of those things that we know we should be doing, but we don't. Because the only way you're going to get good at anything is through self-discipline. If you're undisciplined, you'll constantly be stuck in a constant cycle of chronic injuries. Thank you for listening to episode 32 of the Sunday Shakeout. I hope you all really enjoyed this episode. I hope it's really insightful and helpful. Because creating your own training plan, if you don't design it well, you can kind of just blindly go through your training process. You can probably stay uninjured if you like, you know, if you keep it pretty conservative. But why not try to walk the tightrope? Why not try to maximize the amount of fitness you can gain without getting injured? Why not focus on your long-term progression? Why not consider all of these things that you know are going to make you a better runner if you just... Maybe you take 30 minutes to an hour at the beginning of your training cycle to progress and, or not progress, but to plan. And because why not, if you spend an hour, it's better to spend an hour doing this rather than sacrificing, you know, hours upon hours of training because you got injured because you didn't make a good plan. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following to or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcasts. If you have any questions regarding anything running, please feel free to contact me at thesundayshakeout at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible. And who knows, your, your question might even become an episode if it's a good question, so you never know. Also, I, I always appreciate your guys' responses down in the comments below and uh, also your guys' participation down in the polls. It really does help create good episodes for the future, and it helps me get some good feedback. So thank you all so much. I hope you all really enjoy your day, and peace out. This is the Sunday Shakeout. Mm -hmm.